If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, again, it is such a blessing to be able to bring the Word uh, this morning. It is always such a blessing to bring the Word. Last week, we went through um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 9. Paul was encouraging the Corinthian church. In his greeting of the letter, he reminded them of his credentials. He was an apostle called by the will of God. Uh, He wasn't called by himself, but God called him through the power of Christ. And they were the church called to be saints who had been sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were redeemed by the grace of God. And he was reminding them of the wonderful calling that God had upon their lives And the life of the church. He told them that they lacked nothing. They lacked no gifts. But that God had bestowed the gifts on them for the building up of the church. And and I love 1 Corinthians for one reason. Because Paul comes into it with this wonderful greeting. He tells them who he is. He tells them who Christ is. He tells them that they belong to Christ. And encourages them in their relationship with Christ. And then he just, after this, he just goes straight into it with some of the problems they're having. You know, people can be divided on many things. People could be divided on what they think, how they feel. They could be divided on, uh, if we, we list every person in here, we could be divided on a lot of different things, right? But we are to be united in Christ. We are to be united in Christ And what that means. And so when we look at this passage, we see that Paul is going to hit this head on. The Corinthians were having trouble with division in the church. They were divided. And Paul here, he's making an appeal to unity, that they should be united. We're going to start uh, just in verse 10. Number one, if you have an outline, it's the initial request. Verse 10, Now I exhort you, brethren... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. So he says, I appeal to you, brothers. He, he is coming with them, this appeal to them. He is coming as family, right? I appeal to you, brothers. I appeal to you. We are, we are family in Christ. We are brothers. We're in this together. And we are united in that, in that we are in Christ. He says, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, again, in verse 10 here, he's, he's telling them, look, I'm appealing to you by our family. I'm appealing to you by our Lord. And also by, he goes back to his credentials, he is called by God to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he is appealing to them also by his position. He's saying, look, in all these different ways, he is trying to get their attention. Look, we're family. <laughs> I'm appealing to you by my position, but also I'm appealing to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. That you all agree. That you all agree, right? The biggest word, I think, here in, in this last thing that you all agree is, is the three-letter word all. He's not saying that you some agree. Some of you agree. That, that you might agree. But that you all agree. Like, we're in this together we are coming together in the, for the sake of Christ. 
look, we're all different people. We have all different personalities. And we have all different tastes. Now, I love Brother Corey. Not to point you out here, brother. But mine and his personality are way different. Just, just that's how it is. We're, we're way different people. Right? But God didn't call me to be Brother Corey. He called me to be Michael. And the same goes for Brother Corey. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's some ways I want to be like Brother Corey, but hey, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not him. You know, but, but you see, God makes us all different in our own ways. We have different tastes. We have different likes. We have different, say, music tastes, right? But when Paul is saying that we should all agree, he's not talking about, you know, how we like to do our hair. No offense, Brother Corey. <laughs> But, but he, he is saying that we all agree in Christ. The, the doctrine of Christ. We, we should all be of one voice. We should all be heard of one uh, voice, togetherness. And that this is what we all, all agree on. It, it's one voice. It's um, that we should all be united in the cross. In the cross of Christ, there should be no factions and there should be no favoritism. You see, the cross of Christ, it is the great equalizer. We're all sinners. Right? And none of us are, are above the fact that we all need the Savior. In the cross, we can see the perfect Savior. And in the cross, we can see our imperfect selves. We are to be united so Paul said, then he goes on to say that, look, that there are to be no divisions among you. The churches, let me just be straightforward. A lot of churches have divisions of a lot of different things. And some of them are really strange things. I've heard of church splits on that they couldn't agree on the color of the carpet. They couldn't agree whether there should be chairs or pews in the sanctuary. Now, if you ask me, that's just ridiculous. And while those are petty, they can cause division. But see, that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about the petty things. He's talking about the, the eternal view, right? He's talking about Christ. <laughs> He's talking about important doctrine. In the eternal view, carpet doesn't matter. Pews and chairs don't matter. And you know, some churches... In third world countries or some hidden um, uh, churches who are hiding, they sit on the floor. They walk for hours to get to church. And they come in one by one so that not to make a scene. And to think that some churches can't agree on carpet and there's division because of carpet. See, we should all have one voice on important doctrine. The truth of Scripture should be what we stand firm on. There should be no division in that. And number two, we see report of factions. One, verse 11 through 12. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. 
So he, he said it had been reported to him by Chloe's people. Chloe was um, uh, probably a, an Ephesian businesswoman. Um, she was probably a widow uh, because if she was married, her husband's name would have probably been here. But uh, she had dealings with, between Ephesus and Corinth. Both of them were important, bustling cities. And so some of her people, it could have been some of her slaves, some of her um, workers, even some of her family, came back and told her that there was problems in Corinth. And so she goes to Paul and she tells Paul, look, there's problems in Corinth that you should know about. So Paul heads it straight up. He heads it straight on. You see, some people... And, and I can do this a lot of times. When I say some people, sometimes I'm pointing at myself mainly, can beat about the bush about a lot of things, right? But that wasn't Paul, and that was not Paul's nature. So Paul comes straight forward and said, look, Chloe's people have been telling me that y'all have problems. And it's not it was a secret. It's not like Chloe's saying, well, don't tell them about that I told you this, but because this was something serious that needed to be handled. And so Paul's saying, look, I know that you have problems, and, and I know you have problems because of Chloe and her people telling me so. That y'all have been quarreling, that there have been divisions. And so what was the division in the church? The division was some liked Paul, and they followed Paul, right? That they um, attached themselves to Paul. Some of them attached themselves to Apollo, some attached themselves to Cephas, and some just said, well, I follow Christ. You say, well, what's the deal here? Well, see, Paul was the one who planted the church. He planted the church, he stayed there for 18 months building the church and, and, um, and, and teaching and preaching the word of Christ to them. And then after he left, Apollos came. And Apollos was the one who started watering the church. And, and, uh, and then they said that, um, also I read that Cephas, or Peter, the Apostle Peter, came and spent some time at the church, him and possibly his wife with him, came and spent some time at the church. And so they're identifying themselves with these prominent church leaders, right? And they became factions in the church. You could think, well, some churches have cliques. Well, these were the cliques. You know, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Cephas. Personality sometimes can make us want to follow somebody. I like Brother Corey's preaching. Well, I like Brother Michael's preaching. Well, I like Brother Corey's preaching, to be honest. Whether it be by how eloquent we speak or they speak, sometimes it's about their personality, sometimes because of the stories they tell. People sometimes follow a person rather than Christ. We see this many times. It was actually um, reminds me of our Sunday school lesson this morning. And that's what Paul was getting to here. The church was having divisions because some were claiming Paul. They liked Paul. Apollos because he was eloquent. Cephas because he was bold. Right? And some may have tied themselves... Uh, to Christ because they say, well, well, I'm going to follow Christ. If you're following them, I'm following Christ. This was a contrast in how they spoke, right? So Apollos was supposed to have been an eloquent preacher. He, supposed, he, was, an, uh, he was a Jew from Alexandria. He was supposed to have been very eloquent. 
he, he preached the word vigorously and boldly. We see that in Acts 26. And this is in contrast to how Paul said he spoke. He said he spoke in trembling and in fear. Right? So you have eloquent, you have bold and vigorous, and you have trembling and full of fear by Paul. And then we know that Peter was bold in his preaching. You know, we have great access to great preachers. Podcasts, online. We have great access to false teachers, too. Please be watchful and weary of those you listen to. We're in a time when we can pull up our favorite preachers online. I follow him. Why follow him? Why follow him, right? And we can be enamored by their preaching or by the way they do things. That we can be pulled away from Christ, right? And the local body. And be pulled to sitting on our couch watching Facebook. Or watching a podcast or watching anything. And I think COVID really expounds this, right? It, it did. It expounded this because we got used to sitting down. We got used to watching things on our TV or watching things on our phone and saying this was worship. But we neglected the body. Look, I love listening to podcasts of some of my favorite preachers. But it should never take the place of worshiping with your local church family. We come here to worship Christ. We come here to have fellowship in Christ. We come here to have unity in Christ. The church should not have divisions over Christ. We should not quarrel about a preacher. We should not quarrel about things that um, aren't that important. Like pews or carpet, right? We should follow Christ fully and wholeheartedly. And yes, we should. Like if I'm up here and I'm preaching. Now I'm not the most eloquent preacher. But I try to follow scripture to the T. Maybe sometimes, you know, you say, well, you need to tell more stories. <laughs> but, but I try to preach the gospel. I try to preach the word and so does Corey, right? But we need to listen to and examine those who we hear the word from. Those who are proclaiming the word or those who say they're proclaiming the word. We should always, you should listen to me and think, well, is this truth? And then tonight, go back and read your Bible to say, is this the truth? Okay. You should be skeptical as, as, um, as someone brings the word to you. Skeptical in a way that you should always consider what they're saying and does it line up with Scripture. Because right. there are many, many false teachers. But we should not have division. In Christ. Number three, reminder of a believer's identity in Christ. Verses 13 through 17. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? 
I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say they were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. So Paul asks the questions, three questions here. He says, is Christ divided? And then, was Paul crucified for you? And then, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And the answer to these are no, right? Christ is not divided. But in this instance, they were trying to divide Christ. They were trying to divide Christ into sections and factions. There you go, that's the word. They, They were trying to divide Christ into factions. Well, this is Paul's faction, this is Apollo's faction, this is Cephas' faction, and this is... Christ's faction. But there are no factions in Christ. We're in this together. The church is one body under Christ. Then Paul asks, was Paul crucified you? Crucified for you? And the answer is, of course not. Paul was not crucified for you. Right? Only Christ was crucified for you. Then he asks, were you baptized in the name of Paul? And the answer to that, of course not. Again. Right, But see, he asked these questions because they seemed to be aligning themselves with the ones who they were either converted under or baptized from. Right? Well, I was baptized by Apollos, so I'm going to follow him. I was baptized by Cephas or Peter, I'm going to follow him. And Paul's like, look, I didn't baptize hardly any of y'all. <laughs> As you think about it, when he's going through, he says, <clears throat> I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So that none of you may say you're baptized in my name. And then I can, I can see um, Steph, uh, Sosthenes here going, Hey, you remember you, you baptized um, the household of Stephanus too. Like, oh yeah, I baptized the household of Stephanus too. Beyond that, I'm not sure who else I baptized. <laughs> you see, this is God's inerrant, infallible word. And everything that Paul wrote down here, or uh, Sosthenes wrote down for Paul is infallible, right? But Paul was not omniscient. Only God is omniscient. And so I truly believe that how God wanted it in here is how it's in here. And, And how Paul's personality is. And, and you see the different personalities in people. And again, this brings us back to Scripture. And God using the personalities of some, and personalities of all of them, to, to make Scripture their own, but also His own. And so you see that in the differences in Paul's writing, the differences in Peter's writing, differences in all the, the writers, right? Matthew and Mark and Luke and John are all different. But they're all telling the same story. And they're all telling the same story in a way that is infallible and inerrant, and it is the complete word of God. Paul said, God, God called me to preach the gospel. He called me to share Christ. And he says, I'm not, thou didn't call me to preach it with eloquent speech, lest the cross of Christ lose its power. The cross can never lose its power, 
But what he was saying is he wants the message to be heard rather than his speaking ability. And I can pray that for me every time I get up here. Lord, I pray that you are heard. And whether my speaking ability is good or not so good, that they wouldn't focus on that, but they would focus on the message of Christ that is taught and preached. You see, rhetoric or speaking uh, and teaching well was the things in Corinth that was looked upon the most, right? It was looked upon. If you could teach well and you could speak well, then you are, you, you are put on a pedestal in Corinth. And so Paul went into Corinth and he started this church on a preaching that was seemed weak compared to the rhetoric of the day. Many people would, rich people would, would take teachers that could speak very well and they would give them money and they would support them. And then this would cause factions throughout all of Corinth, right? Well, I follow this teacher, I follow that teacher. And it wasn't teaching the gospel, it was just teachers and philosophies and different things like this. And they say, well, I follow him because he's the best speaker. Well, I follow him because he seems the smartest. You know, and they would build these people up and they would give them money and they would support them. And then there would be factions all over the city by whom they followed as teachers. And speakers. Well, Paul, when he was planning the church, he wanted to make sure that this had no bearing on the church whatsoever. He came in speaking weakly and in trembling and in fear. Because he wanted the focus to be on Christ and Christ alone. He said, I did not come. To baptize, but we are commanded to baptize, right? Baptism is an important thing. But Paul himself was saying that he was not called necessarily to baptize because he had been given the commission to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. That's what his was. His, his was to speak the truth of the gospel. And I say that if you're a Christian, you're also called to this too, Right? Yes, I am called to speak the truth of the gospel. Brother Corey is called to speak the truth of the gospel. And even though you may not be called to vocational ministry or eldership, you are also called to speak the truth of the gospel. So what does that mean? Well, that means that you need to know the truth of the gospel, right? Do you know the truth of the gospel? Do you know your Bible? If someone has questions about God, do you think you can answer them? And if not, do you think you could find it in the Bible where and how to answer it? Right? These are important things. In the midst of a lost and dying generation, we as the church should know the truth of Scripture. We should be studied up on the Word of God and what that means. So when your lost neighbor comes and asks you, what does it mean to know Christ? What does the gospel actually mean? Or can you point me in the right direction that I should start reading the Bible? We should know these answers. And we should be unified in those as the, as the body of Christ. So as the church of God, we should be united in Christ. 
He has called us to unity and togetherness. We should have one voice in the Lord, unified in the Lord Jesus. Now, I love this church because there isn't much squabbling over silly things. And that's a blessing. (laughs) And we have a unity in Christ, right? We have a unity in the Word of God. We have a unity in, in the Lord. And this is something that we should continue to do. Because when there is unity, the enemy will always try to bring disunity in some way or another. So it's something that we must fight for as a church. Something that we must hold to as a church. If we some someone that is teaching a false gospel, whether it be out of ignorance or whether it be out of spite, we must confront it. We must protect the body of Christ from all division and all harm. So I'm going to ask you this. Do you know Christ? Unless you know Christ, you won't be unified in Christ. It's kind of obvious, but it's true. If you don't know Christ, you won't be unified in Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you are not His. And if you're not, I pray that the Lord would open your heart, would draw you, and He would save you. The one encouragement I do have today is this Do you know your Bible? Do you read? The problem with the American church is we are lackadaisy in our scripture reading. We are lackadaisy in our study of the word of God and our prayer. And I'm not saying this church. I'm just saying the church as a whole in America. We are lazy for the things of God because it's been easy. We haven't been persecuted for our faith. We haven't been like... Okay, well, if I go to church today, am I going to get killed for it? So we decide sometimes we're just not going to go to church because I'm too tired. Or I'm not going to read my Bible tonight because it's just my favorite show's on. Or now we're streaming, you watch your favorite show every day. But um, we continue to, to, to watch video after video after video or Facebook or Instagram or whatever you do. Instead of taking God's word and spending time with it and knowing that this is from Almighty God. How should you live your life? The Bible will tell you. How should you go about your day? Guess what? The Bible will tell you. How should you act? What is God like? Does he really love me? Does God really have wrath for those who don't believe? Anything that you have a question about God, it's in here. Do you know it? Are you growing in it? Is God building you up in your faith? Are you spending time with Him in prayer? You see, I think sometimes when we pray, 
we can pray, and I do this a lot, pray, and the next thing you know, your mind wanders, right, and you're thinking about something else, why you're spiritually praying, and you're like, well, let me get back and start praying. And some people can get frustrated with this, and they can quit praying altogether because they say, what good does it do if I just keep getting distracted when I pray? Well, one thing we could do is we could pray Scripture, right? Find a passage of Scripture and pray through it. Keep yourself focused on that. But we've got to remember that when we pray, we're speaking to Almighty God. Right? We're speaking to the one who created all things. He is the one who is over all things. He gives you breath. He keeps you alive each second of each day. He holds the earth and the universe together at all times. And we can come before him and we can lift up our lives to him. We can lift up our worries to him. We can lift up praise and worship and thanksgiving to him. And if we just, if we don't do this, and if we don't realize how blessed we are for this, we really need to check ourselves. If you belong to Christ, He loves you. You are His child. And He wants to talk to you. Look, I have a daughter, right? Most of you know that. And I just love talking to her. I could sit down and I could talk to her for hours. She seems like she's 26 and she's 6. I'm like, wow. I don't talk like that now. <laughs> and to think, I love my daughter so much, but God loves you more to my daughter for, for hours God wants to talk to you for more now I'm not saying you have to pray for hours every day but you can but see God he wants to hear from you he wants to know what you're feeling see don't get me wrong God knows everything he knows how you're feeling he knows what you're thinking but he wants to hear from you and when we come close to God in our Bible reading when we come close to God in our prayer in our meditation of the word when we come close to God In our lives. As individuals. When we come together as a body. We will have unity in Christ. You see God gives us gifts. Not for our own personal well being. But for the body of Christ. When we come together. We work together for the sake of Christ. We work together for the sake of the kingdom. But if, if we don't come. In a state of worship. In a state of awe of God. We come with doubts. How are we going to have unity? Now, don't get me wrong. We will have doubts. I got to keep backtracking, I guess. We will have doubts, and we bring those to God. But when we come together, let's be unified on His Word. Let's be unified. As a body, knowing that we are Christ's. We have time of invitation. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and He is drawing you, I pray that you would come. Or if you want to wait till later, you can ask me or Brother Corey. We'd love to talk to you about who Jesus is and what it's like to know Him and how to come to know Him. Let's pray.
Father, we come to you this morning. God, we give you praise and honor and glory for you are good. Lord, I thank you for a church that has unity in Christ. I thank you for brothers and sisters that love so deeply, care so much. God, I pray that you would put a burden on our hearts for your word. God, I pray that you would press on us for prayer. God, I pray that we would come to you with everything. We would come to you even just in thanksgiving all the time. Lord, your word says we should bring everything in prayer. Lord, I pray that we bring our anxieties, our troubles, our wants, our needs, our pressing issues, our families. God, but we also come just to praise you in prayer. And thank you for what you've given God, and we do thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.